0: Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the Senior Pastor of Transformed Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Radical, radical obedience, like we've heard in the past message, and even this morning in the uh, worship, we've heard about surrendering and about about putting Jesus and and his plan and God's plan ahead of our own plan. And that's what radical obedience, radical obedience is uh, not just obedience, but it is going further. It's like reaching far. It's like like being absolutely thorough. It's like listening to the very details of what God's saying and then doing it. So we don't just want to be kind of obedient half obedient a little bit obedient but we want to give our all to what God called us to do in Jeremiah 7:23, it says but this is what I command them saying obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people what a privilege and an honor for us to belong to God I don't know if you realize when you've come out of the world which some of you have been a while some time ago but before you came to the Lord you actually belong to the enemy you belong to the devil now a lot of people probably have trouble with that they think oh no it's me oh, I just do what I want I belong to myself I don't belong to anybody no if you don't belong to God then you belong to the devil there's only two masters in this world one is God and one is the devil nobody actually just belongs to themselves and nobody actually is free they think they are they think they're free when they when they don't have to submit to God they believe they're free and they're just doing their own thing but that's not the case so we are grateful that we can say we belong to God and and God requires our obedience but there is a good yeah, there's good news to that because Jesus has fulfilled the obedience so it's not about our obedience although our obedience is required down the track you know we are supposed to walk in obedience but it's not our own obedience that we can get give get credit for right because Jesus only Jesus is perfect only Jesus perfectly fulfilled everything that god required of him only jesus could stand and say and he is righteous he is holy he is just he's the only one that could do it Well, none of us could do it if we could have jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross right so none of us they've tried in the law they've said they've uh, presented the law that was the purpose of the law to show you you couldn't fulfill it How interesting right the law was given to show you you can't do it and that you needed Jesus so it was looking ahead to the cross and the Old Testament and knowing even though as hard as you tried you couldn't fulfill the law perfectly because you had to fulfill the law perfectly in order to be accepted you just know oh, I nearly made it oops just a tad short just didn't make it quite but I nearly got there that's not good enough that's just as good as not not even having left a starting gate okay so it is by Christ alone that we are accepted it is by Christ alone our obedience counts because the Bible says that if uh, like our naturally our good works are like filthy rags now you try and tell that someone out in the street and they probably get very offended They're thinking, well, I'm giving to charity here. I'm doing this good works. I'm doing that good works. And you're saying to me, it's like not accepted. It's like filthy rags. That would be quite insulting to them, no doubt. But that's the truth. That's the truth. And so when we are obeying God, we always do it like we heard about the tithes message same deal where our confidence is not in our own obedience our confidence in is in Christ Christ's obedience is the only obedience that will uh, credit you for obedience your own obedience is simply obeying the Holy Spirit and flowing with the Spirit your part is to say yes God says you know and I need you to go off and do this, whatever, I don't know, whatever, and your part is just to say yes and to go with the flow, you know, because it's not in your own strength you will be doing it, it's not in your own wisdom or ability or even faith is not your own, I know that sounds strange, but not even faith is your own, faith is given, everything, grace is given for you to perform what you're required to do. So all of of the things that cause us to be obedient is a gift. And it's simply us acknowledging Jesus and going with it and saying yes. Luke 11:28 28 said, says, blessed are those who hear, hear the word and do it. So you, a hearing is required. You need to hear the word. You need to hear from God what you need to do and then you need to just be faithful to do it you put your trust in Jesus as you go he will empower you he will take you he will bring you out of whatever situation you're in 1 Samuel 15:22 says has the lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold To obey is better than sacrifice so we can't we can't kind of have an alternative idea and say I'm going to sacrifice this oh look I I didn't really do what you asked me but what about if I do this you know I'm just gonna give up this or gonna give up that Um, you know so God simply wants us to obey him to do what you hear I mean you have to hear to do you can't do unless you hear Or you get a prompting to go and do Um, Ephesians 6 5 says servants be obedient to your masters now this particular scripture is really referring to natural natural masters you know like if you're working for someone but how much more should we be obedient to our master who is in heaven So, so you know that is a major requirement as a Christian obedience doesn't just require hearing but doing and, uh, and doing it with the right heart. We've heard a lot of these things already in worship about being glad and rejoicing and things like that. God doesn't want us just to be grudgy Christians looking like as if this is really burdensome and wow, you know, and, and the world will look on us and they say, well, we don't want that. Look at them, they're like, you know, gosh they're suffering so much I don't think this is for me so we want to be glad we want to be <clears throat> showing thankfulness in Deuteronomy um, Deuteronomy 28:47, it says that uh, <clears throat> because because they didn't serve God with a, a glad heart For the abundance He provided for them, therefore He's given them over now to the enemy. So the master, so the enemy is the master of them. So if you're not serving God, even as a Christian, you're actually serving the enemy. There's no, no two, no options. There's no, well, I did it my way. That that song, that's an absolute deception and a lie. Okay, nobody has done it their way. If you do not obey God, then you have done it the devil's way. You have worshipped him. You have pleased him. So, you know, uh, don't be deceived. There is no my way. There's only God's way and the enemy's way. Okay, so uh, let's, look at, let's look at Abraham abraham genesis 22 but it goes back earlier so we might start i'll just tell a bit of the story abraham's actually quite quite an interesting story because he's the father of faith right he's the father he's um he's been radically obedient at the end but he didn't start off that way when he was asked to leave his hometown which was ungodly he left. He left. He was obedient there, but he was partially obedient because he took a lot with him, and that caused him problems. And then he did a couple of other turns off the main main road. He did a wrong, few wrong turns. He um, he. When he had um, Sarah, well, his her name was Sarah first, and his name was Abram first. But uh, with uh, with Pharaoh, um, he said to her, "Oh, can you say that you're my sister?" so that they you know because she was beautiful so that they won't kill me so can you just say you're my sister and of course that got Pharaoh into trouble because God intervened and said you know no you can't have her she belongs to another so you know so that was a bit of a bit of a bad turn and then he did it again can you believe it he did it again he did it later on many years later with Abimelech and again he said Oh, this is. T- can you say that you're my sister? And Abemilake got into big trouble. Because of that, because the, his, uh, the wife got barren, and you know, God actually punished Abimelech and not Abraham. Isn't that funny? He's the one that lied. He's the one that deceived. But he, Abraham didn't get punished. Uh, the, um, the king got punished, and he had to make he rest. He gave restitution. You know, gave sheep and goat and whatnot, so that uh, you know. And Abraham had to pray for him, and then they, they got. The barrenness was lifted off them but so Abraham made some mistakes and then he continues God's been talking to Abraham for quite some time at this point he's been you know saying to him 25 years before it happened that he's going to become a father of many nations and and Abraham says well how's that gonna happen I don't have an heir Abraham thinks well there is Eliezer who's born into in my house and later on of course Ishmael came along they thought they'd help God and say you know what we're just going to We we can help this situation. Why don't you sleep with my maid and uh, and uh, you can have a child with her and we could call him the heir right and uh, So that happened and she conceived and of course then things didn't work out. They didn't oh gosh You know there was animosity between them. So that didn't work out, but still till the end because you know I was 25 in the waiting that abraham actually had received the promise so you know sometimes we kind of complain it's a long wait till the promise he had to wait 25 years he was 100 years old no one at that age should be would be normally able to reconceive and have children she was 99 and it was like this situation is impossible i know god you told me look at the stars count the sand on the seashore that's how many of your seed you're going to have this is how many children you're going to have as many as the sand on the seashore as many as the stars in the heavens constantly kept him thinking and constantly meditating he's going to be a father of many nations right father of many nations and he changed his name he said you're going to be Abraham and Sarah Sarah is going to become Sarah so you're going to be the fa- you know, before he was just a father of nations. Now it's become multiple, father of many nations. So praise the Lord. So he, he took that on board, but it's still, still just before she conceived, she said, well, what about Ishmael? How about Ishmael could become my heir? And God says, no, no, that's not happening. It is from your body, it's from your seed. God's not going to have some seed coming from uh, making nations out of fornication I don't know how else to put it but that's uh, kind of what it looks like and so God's not going to out of ungodly union he's not going to produce a nation or nations even so but at the end Abraham got fully persuaded we know that it's written in the Bible he said he became fully persuaded he believed God and at the birth of Isaac came at the appointed time and uh, so there was great celebration, but of course at this point um, Ishmael had to be sent away and um, God then God, then many years later he was weaned, was raised. Isaac was about, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, I'm not sure exactly what age he was, but he was a young lad. And now God comes to him and says, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, the one son you love. Take him to Mo- Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him. Whoa, whoa! What would one say to that? How would you respond to that? That would be shocking, wouldn't it? And uh, he didn't. He didn't go and discuss it with his wife or. Or think, you know what, I gotta pray about this. He did what God said. This is where radical obedience came in. So he made many mistakes. Ishmael, even though he was a mistake, God said, I will bless your descendants as well. So God can use your mistakes. So if you've made mistakes, that's all right. God's gonna take that and use that. And but then he came he came to a place. Where he was radically obedient. He heard God say go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son and he did exactly what he was told. He got up early, uh, cut the wood. He was 100 years old, right? Actually he would have been older. What am I talking about? He would have been 113, 14, whatever, right? Because he's had his son grow up it. And and um, and he, he, took, he, he did, did the fire. You know, you carry the fire in an earthen vessel because you didn't have the matches you have today. And so he got everything organized and he took his son. And you know what? We give credit to Abraham most of the time. We A lot of talk about Abraham's faith, but we forget that Isaac must have had a lot of faith too. He must have been raised... In a way that he heard how good God was, how faithful God was, how after 25 years uh, they were able to have him, and how how God spoke to Abraham a number of times, personally spoke to him, encouraged him, showed him the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, and he must have they must have shared stories so that Isaac, at that age, he would have been much stronger than Abraham. Was able to um, cooperate at that last minute of course he didn't know he was the sacrifice uh, they went up they were there looking up there we are three days later they look up to the mountain and go okay the servant came as well and they said to the servant let's stay here we're going to go and worship on the mountain we're going to you know they didn't talk about sacrificing isaac we're going to be worshiping god went up to the mountain tied up Isaac, well Isaac said first, oh where's the sacrifice? And uh, Abraham said, he, will, he himself will provide, well you know what, that's the story about Jesus, because himself, he will provide himself as a sacrifice, but he also meant he will provide one, which was the goat in the thicket. So um, they were ready, tied up Isaac. Imagine what Isaac must have felt, what he would have thought. But he trusted, he trusted his dad, he trusted. And, uh, and Abraham believed because he said, "'Well, for 25 years, God has spoken to me "'and told me I'll be a father of many nations, "'and it will come out of Isaac.'" It'll, it won't be Ishmael, it won't be Eliezer, the other person who was born in the house, it's gonna be Isaac. So somehow God's gonna to have to resurrect him. If, uh, if he's gonna be killed, somehow God's gonna intervene. He had so much faith that he raised up, his, raised up the sword and had, had, had to fire organized, had Isaac across, ready to, to just put the knife down and kill him. And Angel said, stop, stop, now that I know that you did not hold back your one and only son, your son that you love. That is, these are key words. Your only son, Ishmael didn't count. Loved, because Jesus, you know, Jesus was the only son. Jesus was the son the father loved. And this what was if Abraham hadn't been faithful, I don't know how God would have done this because it was required for our salvation. So how awesome was Abraham in being faithful to do this. Luke 9.60 says, these are scriptures relevant to having this radical obedience, this absolute focus, single focusedness. So you don't think about other things, but you think about what God wants to do in a particular situation. You don't know what God has asked you to do, what the in- eternal impact it will be upon lives, right? We, we will see it later. We are like a jigsaw puzzle where we each have a part, but we can't see the big picture. We just need to be obedient to be that part. So, uh, yeah, so in Luke... 960 it says let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God in Matthew ten thirty seven, he says he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me if anyone comes to me and does not, this is Luke 14:26. does not hate his, now this is really strong words, does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. Now this is not talking about hate as we know hate, right? Because the Bible says, "You and to honor your parents. You're meant to take care of your family. So let the dead bury the dead doesn't mean you're not gonna go to the funeral or you're not gonna care about that, right? It means that you're gonna concern yourself about kingdom matters rather than worldly matters. Though let the world, let the dead, the dead are the ones that are not born again. Let the dead bury the dead. They don't realize they're dead, but you know we can bring them to life and bring them in. Um, but and uh, and also hating is, is like a comparison. It's not a uh, you know hate. God, God said. I uh, lo- Jacob I have loved and Esau I've hated so he doesn't mean that he hates right God doesn't hate not except for the devil he hates all the evil he does hate that but he doesn't hate people and what it is it's kind of comparing the extremity you know like your love for God has to be so great that if your family asks you to do something that is contrary to the word contrary to what god wants you to do you will turn your back on your family and you will say god i'm going to do what you want so that's what it means it means that you're going to be it's called single-mindedness radical obedience so let's go um uh, Mary also but I won't I won't go into details Luke in 126 35 but Mary again same story I won't go deep into this one but Mary was called to be the mother of Jesus it was a most inconvenient time she was betrothed to Joseph and uh, now the angel visits and says Mary you are blessed and favored above all he says you're going to conceive and uh, bear a child and his name will be Jesus. And she says, well, how can this be? I have not been with a man. And uh, the angel explains, you know, it'll be by the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, and you will conceive. It will be a divine, divine intervention. It won't be a natural uh, event. And, and uh, she responds, let it be according to your word. So that is radical obedience. It was totally, totally inconvenient, totally risky, because she could have lost her life. But praise God, you know, her angel, of course, revealed revealed this to Joseph, what was going to happen. And so they worked together, and they did what God told them to do to, to escape. I mean, they want to kill Jesus at the age of two. They had to be radically obedient to have Jesus grow up and do the ministry he was called to. Of course, Jesus is the most obedient of all I said earlier. He followed through everything to the T and never sinned and never missed the mark. And um, that's what we're all aiming for. In Luke 8, 40, 48, Jairus, a ruler in the synagogue, um, he had um, he begged um, Jesus to come, come to him. Uh, because his daughter was 12 uh, year old daughter was dying, and we have a situation. now this is another aspect it 's uh, be ready for divine disruption because um, God One thing, he does a couple of things. One thing is he might tell you like Abraham, go here, do this, and you just follow. But then there's times when you 're just walking along and God just has something along your path. You weren't planning to do this, you had no, you had totally different plans, but God comes in and wants you, and he loves to interrupt our plans, just in case you haven't noticed, he loves to interrupt your plans. That is very important to be um, in tune with that, because that's what Jesus did as he was going, and he was gonna go to Jairus' house to heal the, the young girl, and this woman with the issue of blood comes along, and wants to get healed. She's crawling through the crowd and, you know, grabs the hem of his garment. And of course we know he says, oh, who touched me? And she was healed. So that kind of held things up a bit. By then Jairus's daughter was dead. And of course they say, oh, look, she's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. It's too late, forget it. Of course, Jesus said, no, 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 I'm coming. And uh, she's only sleeping. Don't worry, she's only sleeping, they mocked him. he of course he raised her from the dead and there was other occasions when that happened but blind Bartholomew cried out when Jesus passed by Jesus was just dealing with his disciples they're all busy about who's gonna be the greatest you know they're going oh make sure I'll be sitting next you know will I be next to you Jesus well you know who's gonna take the seat right next to you and he's sorting that business out and they're walking along and then of course we got Bartholomew crying out Jesus you know and uh, the hero's response he goes you know this, the, the, the disciples want him to sh- be quiet be quiet be quiet we've got things going on don't don't disturb the master but he de cries out all the more jesus and so he was bring him to me bring him to me let's deal with this so jesus attends to these things when you know dis- these divine disruptions that take place um Another one with Acts, Peter and John, they were going up for prayer, and there was this man lying across begging for arms, and he says, You know, silver and gold have I none, but uh, you know what I have I give to you, you know, be healed, open your eyes anyway. so uh, there's divine disruptions in life. So be uh, be aware, be willing to be stopped in your tracks and do what god calls you to do it's not convenient it's not um, something you may want to do it may be difficult it may be you know cause you problems cost you money all kinds of things but i suggest you be obedient your flesh is going to argue with you your flesh is going to say oh no i don't feel like it and your and your mind's going to say oh no Look, it's not, you know, that can't be God. It's so it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. God wouldn't ask me to do that. You know, I'm, I, I'm serving him right now. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why would God tell me to go this or there? So, you know, if you listen to your mind, you listen to your feelings, you listen to your flesh, every part of you is going to have a complaint and an excuse. So you need to be radically obedient. You need to not Give yourself time to think and just go and do. Now I will go, um, I will tell you the story about our little event. We've been here, we've been here two weeks ago, Maybe two weeks ago, anyway. But we got home, Reuben's mum was quite ill, but she gave her three months to live. So we're going, okay, well we can't do three months here, it's a bit too long, so um, we decided, you know prayerfully, we decided we're gonna go home, and um we got home, had two days at home, did the mowing, did the weeding, did the shopping, did the washing, fed the worms, made sure the worms were gonna not die and um and so we were very busy. And we hear that she's all of a sudden, because all this time we kept in touch and she was getting better and better and better. We go, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, healed in Jesus' name. Yes, live and not die. Anyway, so we're getting good reports. And then all of a sudden, she's in hospital. Her, her blood pressure's really down. And then we're hearing, not long after, she says, oh, she's declining really quickly. Don't bother coming. She'll pass away before you get here. We go, okay, right. So we we actually thought first, no, we won't come. We won't go. But then I prayed, 4.30, usually is my time when I take an afternoon time of prayer with the Lord. And I prayed... And I couldn't get any peace. I kept thinking, no, we won't go. Reuben's still working, watering the garden, all these things, He huge amount of work to do. And he was sweating still. 6.30, I said to him, Reuben, I think we need to go. And he's kind of, okay. I said, look, you'll really be sorry if you don't go because if we don't make it, that's one thing. But if we um, could have made it and you didn't go, you'll regret it. And so, uh, you know, he said, okay. And I just threw some clothes into the car so we started often on a deficit right we were weak we were worn out everything in us in the natural we couldn't have made it i mean we had to drive we weren't planning to drive all the way without breaking but somehow you know how the lord takes you a little bit and then he pushes you a little bit further we thought we're going to sleep in the car thought, i said look we don't have to hotels we're just going to sleep in the car and we drive on when we fresh or refreshed uh, but it didn't work out that way we just felt to go keep going Ruben started to fall asleep on the wheel and I was saying to him you know what if I take the wheel I don't know where we're gonna end up <laughs> we might be longer back then then <laughs> then he, and he, he said okay Or, or, or I, I'm hearing you but I saw he couldn't stay anymore awake so I took the wheel and I said, look, he had to even reach over to do the setting for me because I can't use the, I can't use the, um, uh, what's it called, you know, cruise control. He, I can't use the cruise control, there's so many buttons. So he reaches over, does the cruise control every time, then he goes back and dozes off a bit more. And I, I said, make sure this thing is talking to me so I know where to go. <laughs> anyway, and then, then a kangaroos are crossing the streets. And Rupert has a way of sleeping with one eye open, I think, because then he screams out, Kangaroos! I go, Ooh, oop, slam on the brakes. We're doing 110 down to 45. Whew. Anyway, so praise God. There's, there's three of them hopping across like there was a pedestrian crossing there, crossing over. Then, oh praise God, we got out of that one. And so we kept going and going. We didn't eat other than snacking. We snacked, we had water. And we only went to the toilet. That that was all supernatural because I normally have to go multiple times to the toilet. But we only went to, I only had to go when we did fuel. So we did fuel, toilet, back in the car, drive. No sleeping, no eating. Ruben didn't even want to eat because he says I'll be spending too much time in the toilet. Can't afford the time. So we kept going and going. And you know what? I was just amazing because we didn't actually feel like we'd been driving that long. You know, I was so new supernatural. I was just so excited to see how God carried us through that whole journey. And, you know, and um, I stayed up all night, but Reuben just dozed off a little bit in between, and we got there. And we left at 7.30 p.m. on the 7th of January, for those of you who believe in numericals, and we arrived on 7... 7 p.m. 7.30, 7 p.m. on the 7th of January. There's God's significant numbers. When we left, we stayed in a hotel. We were supposed to be in room 12. They changed us to room seven. Well, oh, praise the Lord, I think God's talking to us. So anyway, so we got there, and we praise God; she was alive. Hallelujah for that! We were praying; we had prayer behind us, lots of people praying, checking up on us, see how we're doing on the road. So that was awesome. And um, then when we spoke to Reuben's sister, uh, this is what really, you know, touched our hearts: is that um, that she uh, she said that you know like she was unconscious right she was meant to she said oh, oh i thought because we prayed look keep her alive till we get there so god kept her alive but and she, his sister said oh i thought she would have died by now you know she, i thought she'd have passed away for some reason she's still here and not only that she said she opened her eyes for a moment and appeared to be wanting to move her mouth she, she wanted to say something but she couldn't say anything and i really believe that she had an encounter with god and she was trying to tell her because she's she's so anti-god you can't talk anything about god or she says you're preaching to me but she really i think wanted to say that that this is real jesus is real She experienced, she was out of this world already in a way, but she experienced God and she woke her eyes open and she wanted to speak. And we were just so excited to know. I believe that God touched her and and that was her her expressing that. And so we thank the Lord for that. Yeah, so we had an awesome time um, with the Lord and we just, uh, you know, we just put, like I said, you you have to put the flesh under you know you may have felt like having a rest you may have felt like having a coffee sitting out and having a oh let's get refreshed you may have felt like doing a lot you certainly after working all day did not feel like driving all night and have to arrive you know and push yourself to get to the hospital so it was I believe that God taught us about single focusedness and radical obedience. Being willing to, we had to have our car service room and said, oh, but our car needs servicing. And this is, what well, we got that time booked for the car and this and that, you know, and you've got all kinds of stuff come and speak into you. well, you know, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. But, you know, when you know, then you really need to just do. Hear and obey, because God God will bless you. We not only got blessed that we arrived safely and we saw the salvation of the Lord, but we also got blessed financially. So money went into our bank account. Then on the Sunday, we weren't planning to come. We decided to come and again, once more, inconvenience ourselves after we were so tired. And Susanna and uh, Paul bought us coffees, provided lunch for us. We had a wonderful fellowship time. And you know what? I was saying to her, I didn't want to stay. I said, I'm so hungry. We haven't eaten. We need a meal. So praise God. God used them to bless us as well. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And I just want to encourage you to be radically obedient. Do what God says to you. Because you do not know how it affects people how it affects the big picture and how you know and your reward even though we do not take credit for our obedience here in this life there is rewards in heaven for what you do and god does bless obedience god blesses obedience he wants us to walk in obedience okay thank you for listening hello again and thank you so much for listening